Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of Fresh Fruit. We're so glad you're here. My name is Mary Jo Napier, and we've been going to Rolling Hills for two years. We moved here from Houston, Texas. Uh, Mark Napier. We had visited Rolling Hills because of our kids that live here and serve here uh, for probably six, seven years. What does goodness mean to us? I feel like it's doing for others because you want to, not because you have to. Just do it out of the goodness of your heart. To me, it's a reflection. It's a reflection of how we live our life, helping people grow, go grow closer to God in their daily walk and allowing them to see Christ in us. When we do something for others, we don't expect anything back. And for us to do that to other people that's done things for us, that's important. And people, people need that today. You know, God is just good about it. God is good in these ways, right? He just puts things together in such a unique way. When we were planning this series, we really didn't know, like we weren't thinking about putting goodness on the Sunday that we celebrate our year anniversary, but it just fits, right? It fits to be able to talk about God's goodness in this day and, and, and just kind of celebrating and reviewing what's happened over the past year. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 is where we're going to be today. And uh, whereas we continue in this series called Fresh Fruit, as we've worked through Galatians chapter 5, or Galatians uh, chapter 5, where we see where Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. And he writes this, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance is the word in, in the NIV, or, or, new, or patience is the, is the translation of that. It's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says against such things there is no law. And as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we've kind of said this every week, there's some foundational things, some foundational principles that we've got to lay out. And the first is this, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, that's an inward work, an, an outward reality of an inward working, right? It's, it's something that, it's, it's what God is doing inside of us, it's displayed on the outside, the outward reality of the Holy Spirit's work in us. When we walk up to a tree, a fruit tree, and you see the type of fruit, if you see an apple hanging from trees, what you know about that tree is that it's an apple tree. You're not confused in that moment and think that's a carrot tree. I'll let that settle in for a second. Carrots don't grow on trees. They're peanut trees, maybe that's a different one. That was a joke. It's not a good one. I shouldn't have, I should have scrapped that one. 
When you walk up to an apple tree, you know that it's an apple tree because apples are hanging off of it, right? And so the same is true about the, the fruit of the Spirit inside of us. It, it's the, the outward manifestation. It was we see, it, when you see these fruit of the Spirit displayed in the lives of someone, you know that that person has trusted Christ for salvation. You know that that person is somebody who's following Jesus. When you see these nine flavors of one fruit displayed in one person's life, you know that's a part of what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you. The second thing is that we don't get to pick and choose the fruit of the Spirit. We don't get to pick and choose the flavor of the fruit here. These are nine flavors of one fruit. And so we, we don't get to say, I like love and joy, but I'm not really down with peace or patience and self-control. Like those are not mine. Right? That's not how it works. It's all of these are the fruit of the Spirit. They're a part of who, who we are as those who put their faith in Jesus and, and have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so far, we've covered love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And this morning, again, we're going to cover goodness. We're going to talk about God's goodness and goodness, what it looks like for that to be a display in, in our lives and, and put on display as the work of the Spirit inside of us. And the word good or goodness is one of those that's kind of, it can be hard to put your finger on it. When you think about this, this passage or, or what we're talking about with goodness, it can be, it's, it's often overlooked as, as for the importance that it actually has in the life of a believer because it's one of those words that's used really often, right? When you talk about good or goodness, you can use that word so often and it loses a little bit of its strength and what, what it means, especially when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Because, I mean, think about it, you can, you can, have, a, you can have a good morning, you can have a good night. You can, you can have, you can have, um, it can be good to see you, right? I can, I can say that those things to you. I, you can, I can say you did a good job or you had a good game or good luck, right? All of these different things. We use this word good over and over. We can have a good hair day. Again, I'll let that settle in for you. I always have a good hair day. Down here. This is where it looks good. You can, you can have a good life. You can have good, clean fun, as your parents might have said back, back in the day, right? Or you can have a good idea. Maybe something is not good enough or it's all good. Maybe it, it can, something can do your heart good, like some chicken noodle soup. It does your heart good, right? I don't know if that's true or not, but, well, we'll go with it. If something can be for your own good, like medicine. It can be for your own good. Or it can be, it, something can be too good to be true, but the reality is it's hard to put our finger on really what exactly the word goodness means when it talks about it in Scripture. Because we use this word so often. And I think the essence of what we want to grasp, I think, is just the simplest terms. It's doing the right thing for the right reason. Like if we just put it in the simplest, the essence of it is doing the right thing for the right reason. But this word in the Greek, is, as Paul writes, that these are the fruit of the Spirit, the word that he uses, really what it gets down to is doing the right thing for the right reasons for others. So we said last week that kindness and goodness are really closely linked. Even some, some books and some, as, as I was preparing some of these books, they will put the kindness and goodness chapter kind of together because they're so closely linked together. That, and some would say that kindness or, or goodness is kindness on display. But when we see what we're looking at is when we kind of walk through this is doing the right thing for the right reason on the behalf of others is what goodness looks like. And so in this case, the opposite, as we've kind of gone through every week, the opposite of goodness is that, that idea that, that maybe you're, you're, you're doing something, you're taking advantage of someone or you're seeking to harm them. But it also goes somewhere like this, that you're doing the right thing but for the wrong reason. Maybe you're doing the right thing but it's to show off or to, to gain your own glory 
or for somebody to look at you and, and to point to you as the, as the source. And so that, that's just as, that's the wrong, th- that, that's wrong, even though it may be the right thing. In Ephesians, in this passage that we're going to read this morning, I'm just, Ephesians chapter 5, this is what it says, verses 8 and 9. It says, for you were once darkness, not in darkness, but you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children in the light. Verse 9, it says, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You once were in darkness, but now you are light. You once were darkness, now you are light. And the, the fruit of the light is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we're going to break that apart in just, for just the next couple of minutes. But first, let's just pray and ask the Lord to continue to bless this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us the opportunity as a body to gather here and in and, and this place, God, as you've provided this place and you've given us this opportunity to celebrate your goodness and to sing songs about your goodness and the great things that you have done. I pray that our eyes would truly be captured by your goodness this morning, not only in the songs that we sing, but as we open up your word, that we would fix our eyes on you and we would leave here, God, being reminded of just how good you are. You are righteous and perfect and holy in all of your ways. And you acted on our behalf perfectly. I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you would have us to see in your word and our ears to hear from your voice this morning. And God, by the power of your spirit, you would transform hearts and minds that we would leave here different because we've encountered you. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. If you have your worship guide, the first thing, first uh, kind of line there for us is that we talk about the goodness of God. We've done this pretty much every week, but the reality is that when we begin, by definitions are good, but, but definitions can fall short. And so we, we have to remind ourselves that the origin of goodness, where, or, where, where goodness comes from, is God. He is the origin of goodness. And, and we've, seen, we've seen this throughout the fruits of the Spirit, that he's the one that they all, these are all characteristics of who God is. And some of you know the response to this, this back and forth, right? God is good. There we go. Thank you. And all the time. God is good. You've heard that before, right? And that's the truth. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good because that's his nature. That's his character. That's the very essence of who God is. He is good. He's perfect. He's the perfect, the ever-perfect picture of what goodness is. And by nature, God is inherently good. One author says this, that by nature God is inherently good. He is the ultimate example of goodness. He did not obtain his goodness from another source. People can have traits of goodness, but we are not good in and of ourselves. Our goodness comes from him because he's the source of all goodness. So God's goodness refers to his holiness. We talk about God's goodness, we're talking about his holiness, his perfection, his righteousness. That he does all things well. And that's just kind of a, a phrase that we'll, you'll hear a couple times throughout this morning is that goodness is who God is. He is good all, in all that he does. He's good all the time and for all time. Listen to it one more time. Goodness is who God is. He's good in all that he does. He's good all the time and for all time. I mean, then that means that if he's good 
he's good all the time and for all time. That means he's good even in our hardships, even in our struggles, even when we struggle to understand what God's doing in our lives, when things kind of feel like they're falling apart or they've come unloosed or, or, and, and things just don't feel like they should or, or, or there's struggle and sorrow and pain in our lives. Even when we don't understand it, we know that his character has never changed because he's good all the time and for all time. One teacher an author, a guy named Joe Wrigley, says this, that he is the fountain of all goodness, the source and the origin of all pleasure and joy. He is, the, he is infinite, eternal, unchanging, inexhaustible, self-sufficient, all-sufficient, and without limit or diminishment. That means his goodness, as it is an all, all the time, for all time, it's, it is without limit. My goodness has a limit. Ask my kids, right, there's a moment when it stops, and I'm like, no more. No more goodness like Gandalf, you shall not pat. No, I don't. But God's goodness knows no limit, no boundaries. It doesn't have a spot where it's like I can go to this point and go no farther. It is always good to the fullest he is good. Pastor Andrew Wilson says this, anywhere you find goodness, you will find by definition. You, well, by definition, you will have God and vice versa. You can't have God without goodness, and you can't have goodness without God. This is the whole teaching of Scripture. Everything God made was good. That's Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. No one is good except God. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And for those who seek God, they lack no good thing. That's Psalms 3410. Listen, God is good, and the full extent of who he is is goodness. Everything that he's made is good. Everything that he does is good. There's no one good except for him. He works all things together. And all those who seek him will find goodness. And we begin by establishing that, that God is good and that all he does is good. And he's good all the time and for all time. Because I think we have to make sure that we understand and, and that we have to lay that foundation of the definition but the origin of that definition is that God is the source of all goodness. And then secondly, what I want to do for the rest of our time together is really begin to break down the fact that we experience, how we experience this invitation of God's goodness by enjoying the good life that we have with him. So if you have your worship God again, it's the good life that we have with God. We've left some space between there, so hopefully you can take some of your own notes and we'll fill in some things there. But but the good life that we have with God, the good life we have with God, understand, begins with the confession that we find the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 16, verse 2. It says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Like the beginning of a good life with God, it comes from this place where we understand that he is the source of all goodness. And apart from him, we have no good thing. It's a confession of an utter desperation that, that, I, that, that if he's the source of all goodness, if he's the creator and all that he does is good, that apart from him, that, that I can have a shadow of things that are good. I can have a counterfeit of good, but I can never have goodness the way that God designed it to be good. And so without God, I can have no good things. So coming alongside the, the, the psalmist to, set, to, to recognize this, that, that apart from a relationship with Jesus, apart from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, I have no good thing. And that, rec that begins with a recognition of our need for him, recognizing that we have nothing apart from him. And secondly, 
it begin, it, it, the second part of that is that we receive the invitation that by grace is extended to all of creation who would put their faith in him. That we, that we recognize our need for him, that apart from him we have no good thing. But secondly, that we receive this invitation in Psalms again, in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. The invitation that the psalmist gives, the invitation that the Lord gives throughout Scripture, that we would just come to him, that we would know the goodness that he's offering to us, to know the goodness of who he is and all that he does and all of his ways being perfect for all time, all the time and for all time. If we receive this invitation, we receive this, come and taste and see. It's a reminder that, that, this, that he's not worried about what you'll, th- he, he knows that once you taste the goodness of God, that you will know that he is what he says he is. And when we receive this invitation, it's not going to be a, ah, it was good, it was okay. We're going to understand the goodness, the full goodness of who he is. What is the good life that we have been invited into? It begins with recognition and then the receiving, but what is that good life? And there's a couple things I want us to see about the good life that we've received because of Christ. The one is that this, that the good life with God is the confident abiding rest that comes with knowing his nearness and his fullness. The good life that we have with God is the confident abiding rest of knowing his nearness and his fullness. Listen to the Psalms again. You've maybe heard this one. Even if you've not been to church in a long time or ever, you may, you may have heard this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You could even translate that. I lack no good thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. In his, for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you, my good shepherd, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 6, it says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness is his nearness. For the psalmist, it was that he's there. He's the one that's leading. He's the one that's making me lie down in green pastures. Even when I walk through the darkest moments of my life, which some of you have walked through, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say those words. Even in the darkest, darkest moments of your life, he is with you. He is near you. Jesus in John chapter 10 says that he, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he, Jesus, has come that we might have life. And life to the full. Verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. Hearken back to Psalm 23. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. The good shepherd invites us to taste and to see. He's the one who willingly lays down his life for us. He knows us. He knows our ins and outs. He knows all of the things that we've walked through. He knows the joy. He knows the greatest joy in your life. He knows the greatest sorrow in his life, in your life. And you are, and he is near to you completely full. His fullness. He gave you his whole life, not just a part of the confident abiding rest of knowing his nearness and his fullness. The good life with God is the confident abiding rest, secondly, of knowing that he works all things together for our good. We've read it already, Romans 8, 28, that we know all things 
that God, we know that in all things, God works, think, works for our good, for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That even in the midst of heartache and, 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 and the sorrows that all of us feel, and some of you have not just experienced small sorrows, you've experienced tragic moments, life-altering moments, even in the moments of the greatest, deepest sorrows in your life. God, the confident abiding rest is that we know that he's near and that he's working all things for good. One of those authors that we read just a second ago, Andrew Wilson, he has two severely autistic children And he writes this. He says, it's easy to affirm God in the abstract. It's easy to affirm when things are going well, but when your children are going backwards, the the type of autism that his kids have is a regressive autism. And when your children are going backwards daily, it becomes much harder. When that worship leader goes for a bit of a call and response and says, God is good all the time, and all the time it can be physically challenging to squeeze out the words that come next that God is good. Singing becomes a fight between the truth of what we know and the emotions that we feel. So we, when we talk about the good life with God, what we're talking about is this confident abiding rest, that he's near, that he's given us everything that we need and that he's working all things together for our good. We can say along the same lines of, uh, same lines as, as Joseph does in Genesis chapter 50 when his brothers who hated him sold him into slavery and he's away from his family for so long. In Genesis 50 verse 20 it says, you intended, speaking to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good, for good, to, for good to accomplish what is now being done in the saving of many lives. That even in the midst of the sorrow we can say, God, you're doing something good even though I can't understand it. And lastly, the good life with God is the confident abiding rest that comes with knowing that he's called us for a purpose. He has a purpose and a plan for our lives. I think a lot of us walk around in some, some level of haze of shame, right? Some level of, of just shame within us or some, some, some angst inside of us because we don't realize that we have a, there's, there's a purpose for our lives. We're kind of aimless in, in what we're doing. We, we don't realize the worth of the one who's created us. But listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, his workmanship. He's shaped and molded us. And everything that he does is good, right? So that means that you, even though you may not know what your purpose is, even though you may feel like you're lost and, and, and aimless, that you are God's workmanship. All that he makes is good and perfect, and you were made by him. And he's cre- and created in Christ to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you. Not only were you created by a good God and created good because all that he creates is good, but he's created you with a purpose and a plan for your life. And so you and I don't have to wonder And I go through these things the same way that you do. There are moments. I remember years ago when I was teaching high school. Some of you are teachers and God bless you. You do good, good work. But I was teaching high school for about two years. And I would have to pass by a Home Depot on my way to school to work on those mornings. And I would think, if I could just leave that job and go drive a forklift, I think that that would be awesome. It was not, trust, I was not built for the classroom. 
It was, I felt aimless. I felt like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I, like, I knew that God had a call in my life, but I felt aimless and was wandering without purpose. But God made us good. He made us and everything that he makes is good. And he created us with a purpose. He created us to do good works that he's laid out beforehand. You're not worthless. You do not lack purpose. He's created you perfectly. He's created you with a purpose. And whatever you're going through today, you may not feel that way, but today I'm telling you that he's prepared you for what he's preparing you for. Or he's preparing you for what he's prepared you for, like for what he's got in front of you. And it brings us to the last thing that I think we get to this place where we, where we re- maybe get excited about the fact that we do have a purpose, that he has created us good and he's laid out something for us, but we get to that place and we feel like we're not equipped for what, we, what, he's, what he's put in front of us. And this good God who's created us has equipped us to do good work. And if you have your worship God, it's equipped to do good by God. That if he's created us with a, perfect, with a purpose to do good work that he's laid out beforehand, he's also equipped us to do that purpose. He's equipped us to do the good work that he's laid out for us. Psalm 23, just to go back to that, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What does that mean? I lack nothing that I need for the work that he's called me to. I lack no good thing, nothing good that I need to fulfill the purpose that he's called me to, the purpose that he's laid on my life and put out before me. I lack nothing in fulfilling what God has called me to. Second Peter, it says that he's given us everything that we need for life and for godliness, according to the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything that we need. By the spirit inside of us, he's given us all the power that we need, all of the wisdom that we need. And when we don't, when we feel like we don't have it, he tells us to call on him and bring our concerns and cares to him. And he answers our call and provides for our needs. We lack nothing. To do the good work in the everyday, in the everyday, in the, in the, in the, that monotonous rhythms of daily life. And those just every morning getting up and doing the same thing. He's given us everything that we need for those places. One author says this, and I think that we, we need to recognize this because it's one thing for us to be those who do good things on a quarterly basis when we go to this trip or we go to this place. But that's not necessarily the kind of goodness that we're talking about. There's nothing wrong with going in those places. I hope that we do lots of good work. I want to be a church that does lots of good work on a regular basis in our community. But individually, he's called us to do good work on an everyday basis. This is what author George Bethune says. It says, much of the happiness in the world depends on what is termed the little things. It's rare that God honors us with the heroic and famous distinctions in doing good. Meaning, listen, most of us are not going to get famous for the good things that we do. Most of you are going to do good things at your home and in your neighborhood or, or with your family, and nobody's ever going to give you a trophy for it. Moms, I wish there was a trophy that you got at the end of the year, every year at Mother's Day. You, more, more than likely, you're not going to get a trophy. But you're going to do good work. You're going to do the work that God's put in front of you. And you're going to glorify him by doing that good work. Husbands, kids. 
doing the good work at your home. Don't wait for the, for the mission trip. Don't wait for the opportunity to serve Riverside the next time we get to do those things. We want you to do that, but do that comes out of an overflow of doing good works in the, in the normal, everyday rhythms of life. When we get up in the mornings and we see the opportunities to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be awake and aware to the opportunities that are around me, to, the challenge to be alert to the opportunities, not see them as interruptions but to, or inconveniences, but occasions to do the very work, the very good work that God has called us to, that he's prepared for us. And from that, there's a gratitude that flows, a gratitude for God's goodness. And I would say this, that, 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 and I think you maybe want to write this down because I think you need to think about this this week as you maybe just ponder thinking about God's goodness as we, as we go, to, go on to next week. That, that without gratitude, I would say this categorically, without gratitude, it's impossible to experience the fullness of God's goodness. That without gratitude, it's impossible for us to experience the fullness of God's goodness. That you can't experience the joy of the good gift that God has given you without gratitude to the giver. There's a selfishness that just says it's mine, but there's a, when, when, we, when, we are, when we have gratitude, when we're thankful for what he's given, when we're thankful for the good things, we get to experience the fullness of that goodness. And this week, as thinking about Sunday and talking about God's goodness, I've had a lot of time to reflect on God's goodness over the past year. And there's just lots of things that I just have kind of overwhelmed me. And the result of, at this point, just a, an overwhelming gratitude, thinking about what the past year held. I think about God's goodness. I'm grateful for God's goodness when, when we begin, when Rebecca and I begin to sense this calling to, to step into this role as the campus pastor at Rolling Hills at Columbia and, and that the goodness of the opportunity that God has given us to be able to do this. I, I mean, I am so grateful to be the pastor of Rolling Hills, Columbia. That is God's goodness. I'm grateful I'm beyond grateful for God's goodness when I think about the three individuals that we got to baptize over the past year. Listen, there are churches who go three years without baptizing three people, period. So the fact that we've been able to baptize three people over the past year and lives have been transformed by the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am incredibly grateful for that. And I know that there's another one coming in November for sure and maybe some others of you that may need to take that next step in baptism. We have a baptism class next week. That's on your worship God right there. That's a plug. That's what that's called. We'd love for you to, to step in, make that next step and follow Jesus in believer's baptism. But my heart grows and grateful when I think about those baptisms. I think about, I'm grateful when I think about the goodness of God in the in lives of individuals who've taken that next step and picked up the daily steps and begin reading God's word on a daily basis. Because I've talked to some of you who have made that step and your lives are being transformed by reading God's word. And that is good. I'm so thankful for the goodness of God that's transforming lives as we open up God's word together. I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful for God's goodness when I think about the nine groups that have launched over the past year and with the launch of our care group on Tuesday nights, the 10 different groups that meet throughout the week that are part of Rolling Hills Columbia where people are growing in their relationship with the Lord because we talk about growth happening better in circles rather than rows. In 10 place, 10 groups that meet throughout the week all over Spring Hill 
in Columbia, our little gospel outpost for individuals to see the gospel take fruit, take take root in their lives, and the spirit begin to work. I'm, I'm thankful when I think about people serving. The, 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 all of the people, the 35 to 40 people who make this happen on a Sunday morning, that what, what happens to the setup and the teardown, there's so much that makes me grateful for God's goodness and the names of the people and the individuals that make that happen. And when we finish up here, I'm so grateful for, you, for God's goodness in providing you guys to pick up these chairs and help us fin- figure this all, reset this place, because, because that's God's goodness when you serve. I'm thankful for your giving. For a church our size, for a, for a congregation, a, a campus our size, you guys are incredibly giving. I'm incredibly thankful for the way that you give and give sacrificially and, and regularly to, to the mission of, that God has put on our hearts here at Rolling Hills Columbia. And just to think about some of those things, the ways that we've served the community, the teachers and, teachers and the students at Riverside, literally about every six weeks we feed the teachers here when they have their, their parent-teacher conference. It may be nine weeks. I can't remember what it is, but it's pretty regular. Right now in the teacher's lounge, there's breakfast that, that we laid out for, fr- for, for them on, on Thursday that they got to have Friday as, as they were finishing up, or finishing up a week. And, and that happens on a regular basis. We serve the kids in wrapping stations. We've been here. We've served and, and done work projects outside. There's other projects that are happening. You, because you give, we're able to serve here. Because you give, we are able to serve local missions partners like Harvest Food Share and, and a new relationship with 413 ministry or 431 ministries that's, that's, that's going to happen. You're going to hear more about that in the next couple of weeks that's a, that does work with ladies that are coming out of domestic violence issues and, and, and incredible work that we get to, co- we get to walk, walk alongside because you give. I'm thankful for your giving because we get to serve our community because of it. Things like yesterday. When you think about this, a church our size almost more than doubled, more than doubled our size yesterday on the field outside at Riverwalk Park. More than doubled our size by just serving our community and having a place for people in our community to come and have a block party and have a good time. That happened yesterday because you guys, because you give, and I'm thankful for your giving. I'm thankful for the ways that we get to serve the community, the, the very merry Mule Town, First Friday family zones that happen at the office, the, the Christmas wrapping station that will happen again this next year. I'm so thankful for the way that we get to serve our community and the way that you allow us to do that because of the way that you give. I'm grateful for the growth that we've experienced. I'm grateful for God's goodness and the growth that we've experienced over the past year. From a Zoom call with 25 to 30 people in February of 2021 to over the past since August to average 160 to 170 people here on Sunday morning is incredible. I'm incredibly grateful for God's goodness in that. I'm incredibly grateful, lastly, for God's provision as we've prayed and asked him for things. When we prayed, when we were first starting, we asked him for a place and he provided this place. I'm, I'm thankful that on a Thursday when we got a call that we've got to leave this place and we've got to find another place, that God provided a place for us to meet outside and then provided another place for us to go for the summer. And that was awesome. But we're real happy, Mr. Reggie, to be back here and, and to be able to worship here again at Riverside. 
And I'm thankful that as we pray and say, God, we know that this is a place that you have us for now, but you have another place for us eventually. And we know that he's answered prayers in the past because he's good and faithful. And we're asking him to do those things again and to answer those prayers and to bring more baptisms and bring more opportunities to serve our community and bring a place for us to gather and have our own space. We know that he's good and we believe that he's going to continue to do those things. And so because of that, we're going to be people that don't just receive the goodness of God, but we're going to be the people who are for Columbia, that, are, that want to share the goodness that we've received with our community. And we're going to continue to do things like we did yesterday. Because in, on October 29th, we're going to do the same thing basically on that same field. And we're asking God to bring even more people to experience the goodness of God as we fellowship with them and, te- and, and, and invite them to be a part of what God's doing at Rolling Hills Columbia. What Eric said, what Pastor Jeff said is the, is the truth that the best is yet to come. And that ultimately means that the best, our, our best opportunities to, to display the goodness of God in our community is yet to come. And the ride that we're on has been awesome. It has been so good. I'm so thankful for it. I'm so gracious. I'm so, so thankful for what God's done over the past year. But it is only the beginning of what we get to see God do, of what we get to be a part of as he, as he displays his goodness in this community. And in displaying it, we're praying that he would draw men to himself and the gospel would take root and that we would baptize somebody every Sunday because lives are being transformed. And just like in the New Testament, that, 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 that numbers are being added to the body every day. Because the goodness of God is being displayed through the people of God who've received that goodness and can't help but share it. I'm going to invite the band to come. In Psalm 20, in Psalm 19, excuse me, get the number right. Psalm 13, the psalmist writes, I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. And so as the band comes, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to sing the Lord's praises because he has been good to us. And after they finish, I'll come back up, and we'll have just one more, we have one more kind of announcement that's really exciting uh, for us as Rolling Hills Global across all of our campuses. I want to share that with you. But we're singing to the Lord his praises because he has been, he is and he will continue to be good to us. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done, all the ways that we get to join you in displaying your goodness to this community. And we pray, God, that you would be glorified above all names, that it wouldn't be about us, that we would do the right things for the right reasons, for the good of others, and the right reason would be for your glory, not for ours that we wanna put on display your goodness so that men and women, boys and girls, all over this city would see and know the grace of Jesus, our good shepherd who is near to us and laid his life down for us. God, receive this song as a a celebration, as as an offering we celebrate your goodness this morning. 
you are so good all the time and all the time you are good. It's in Christ's name. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.